Thank you. And embarking on that hymn, that was my request. You may not have known it, but it's an old hymn that I wanted to sing before we get into this last sermon, lecture, speech this morning. My series over the last seven, eight weeks has had to do with, as I was visiting out in the foyer this morning, going to primary source, going to the words of Jesus Christ. Now, the premise of that is this. If I do not believe in God, then I'm going to necessarily and expectedly doubt what God's word has to say if I don't believe in God. And also, I would doubt uh, whatever the word or the Bible, the scriptures, the good book has to say. If I don't believe in God and I don't believe in God's word, then I'm not going to believe in the declarations or the things that God's word says. And because of that, um, if I'm doing a series on God's word, if I don't believe in God, then this series has been a complete waste for someone. But I do believe in God's word. I do believe in the veracity of it, what we call the truthfulness of it, at pretty much every level that you can imagine. Experiential, uh, scholastic, academic, emotional, I believe in God's word. Uh, not because someone has told me necessarily to believe in that, though I did perhaps when I was young, but like John Locke and different ones, great philosophers out of England said, if you're going to plow ground, plow your own ground. So that's exactly what I did. And it resulted in, me, in, in, in it coming to bear on me that God's word seemed to be true early on in my life as I have lived 35 years. I realized that from a pragmatic standpoint, God's word actually is true. In fact, I've always been amazed over the years and decades to see that something that I might wonder when God's word or a proverb or something is said, I think, well, I wonder if that's true, only to find out by the observation uh, that it is true, that it does come to pass. And so... Um, we're going to come to an end in this, uh, in, in, in uh, this particular series, and that's the name of it, the end. But not because I'm coming to an end, I want to look at what Jesus Christ had to say about the end. I have a few just side comments that I'd like to make before I get into it, and it won't be long this morning. But I hope it is succinct and straightforward. Um, as I said, I believe in the veracity, the truthfulness of God's word. And it's not that it's the only thing I've ever read. As you know me, I, I, I read anything I can get my hands on, or I did anyway. Um, now I'm reading two books at a time because my eyes are so bad. I see all the letters, are so I'm reading two books at a time. When I was younger, I 
was raised in church and knew the stories, but the fence always fascinated me. And so at a very early age, I jumped the fence and I wanted to see what was on the other side. Um, as Irma Brombach said, the grass always seems greener on the other side, but that's because there's a lot of manure over there. And that, that was true. Um, but I remember, the, I remember the night that um, I gave my life to the Lord. And it had to do with this very issue that I'm going to deal with. I had not been in church for several years and would go on the behest of mom on Mother's Day, I would go. But for some reason, and I look back and I think that it was the moving of the Lord on my heart, uh, I, felt, I felt like I wanted to uh, volunteer uh, at, a, at a youth camp for people. So I, I went and asked my pastor, uh, who he was always trying to get me to come back to church. I just showed up at his door one night and I asked him, I said, uh, I just wanted to volunteer that I would like to go to camp and be a sponsor. And uh, my pastor, Brother Jerry Dudley, he had had polio when he was younger, and so he had one eye that was always squinting. That night as on the porch as he was holding his popcorn, uh, he looked at me with that squinted eye, and then he squinted the other one, and I thought, he's not going to let me go. <laughs> he looked at me and he said, Frank, he said, I... I you can go, but I want you to promise me that you'll do well. And I said, I, I promise. So I went. I didn't ever go to the preaching. I'd always stand out in the, stand out in the woods. It was an open-air tabernacle, and there was a missionary, an ex-missionary that was preaching. And so I'd go out, and uh, I'd stand in the trees, and I'd smoke my lucky strikes or whatever, and I'd just listen, you know, and I'd listen to the singing, and I always enjoyed the, the songs and everything. But on this one night... He was uh, preaching on the subject, where will you be when Christ returns? Now, I had been at OU, and so I'd studied a lot of religions and felt like that I knew a lot of things anyway uh, at, at my age, at that age. And so I was listening there, and as he was going through uh, the scriptures... I was sitting there and just, I was standing there in the trees and uh, uh, listening and thinking, well, you know, I know that there's Buddha. I know that what Confucius said. I know, et cetera, et cetera. And then over a period of a few minutes, all of a sudden the storm was rolling in. And um, at, a, at a moment, there was a clap of uh, lightning and, uh, that, that hit. And it just sounded like it was just right there. The minister never lost it. Everyone screamed, and I, I think I hunkered down. You know, I, and I know I dropped my cigarette. I, I, I hunkered down, and I hunkered down, and I looked around, and I thought, well, it didn't strike a tree. He never lost his cool, and he asked this question. That's how quick Jesus Christ will come back. And then he said, where would you have been? I knew where I would have been. So I waited 
till everyone left, and he was there by himself. I walked in, and initially I'd kind of gained my wits about me, and I was just going to go in and, uh, and show off what I knew. So I walked in, and he was at the front gathering up songbooks, and no one was in there. And he turned around, and he said, can I help you? And I said, well, I, my name is uh, Frank, Frank Giles. And he said, oh, I know who you are. And uh, he, he knew my parents. And I said, well, I was just going to talk with you a little bit. He said, I, I had some questions, and I just wanted to compare some thoughts to the things that you said. And he had the, the most piercing eyes. And as I got close... All of a sudden, I became exhausted of just living my own life. So I knelt down, and he said, what can I help you with? And uh, I'll never forget. The only words I could say was, I just want to learn how to do good for God. Now, when word got out, everybody thought it was a, it was a joke, you know, uh, that I had become a Christian. But, but that particular night confronted me with a reality that I wanted to make sure that I was believing something that was true. And so I knew where I was going to come on this, the end. And so this morning, I would like to look at that from our perspective of the end of the world. You know that we have in our country what's called a doomsday clock. It was set up about 75 years ago. And what's interesting about it is that all manner of experts that have this clock, they, they don't want it to reach midnight because that signifies that's the end of mankind. And so you have all kinds of experts that will put, give their input as to what moves the hand closer and closer to midnight. And quite honestly, over the 75 years, there's been quite a numerous times that it has moved very close to midnight. Uh, it's been various reasons. I know that you can recall some of them, uh, but it's moved close to it because of uh, discussions about uh, a comet or asteroid hitting the earth or... Uh, you know, we've gone through disease, we've gone through, uh, now we're climate change. Every, all these things, t you know, talk about the end, how things are going to end. And I find it interesting that they all have a experts. They, all of them, there's a, when, you, when, you look at, uh, when you look at, for instance, scientists, or you look at sociologists, psychologists, uh, climatologists, um, all kinds of experts have their reasons and have their speculation as to when the uh, earth will end or when time will be over, when the end of the world is. For us, I know you remember these scares that we've encountered have been asteroids, uh, they've been pandemics, population explosion, uh, nuclear war, in fact, um, uh, even in America, there's been some that said, you know, that the volcano under Yellowstone could at any time explode and, and basically uh, wipe out all of mankind. 
And if you read and listen to it, it does. It just scares the living daylights out of you. Uh, however, however, all of these ex experts have no answer for what I should do if that were the case. Now, here's what's happened, at least in my observation. As we've heard this over and over and over from the media or from these experts or things, we actually are becoming desensitized uh, to these things. I mean, you, say, you think, well, what's new? If, if we're not overpopulated, then we're going to run out of, you know, we, we can either run out of food or we'll have a disease. And we become kind of desensitized to all this stuff till, till ultimately we move into uh, uh, what I would call we become oblivious to that. We just try to live our own lives. And pretty soon, though, we become skeptical. And then the final stage is the most dangerous. We become negligent to a fact. And the fact is, there is going to be an end. Somewhere, somehow, there's going to be an end. Now, in that, I, this is where I say over the years, I have moved to what I consider primary source, the Word of God. I find that the Word of God has been true and I've observed the, the truthfulness. I've observed how accurate it is regarding human nature, regarding evil, regarding good, regarding uh, rehabilitation, regarding redemption. I've observed how accurate it, it is. I've experienced the accuracy of God's word about the removal of guilt or shame or strength or power within oneself or coming to know yourself. I've experienced that. So that's allowed me to make this next move. I'm going to trust the word of God regarding the end. And if I trust the word of God regarding the end, I must of necessity logically go to what we call primary source. And so that's why I've been focusing on just what did the Lord himself say about certain things that we in the Christian society and in churches, uh, you know, talk about and use, such as born again or forgiveness or, you know, I wanted to know, I want us to know what does he have to say. Now, one example of this, and I, I've chosen a text to read from someone who walked with the Lord, and I think he went through the same exact uh, pilgrimage that I did, though his was much more fantastic, and that was St. Peter. If you recall, St. Peter, uh, he had some questions about the Lord. He believed him, and then he doubted him and everything. But throughout his life, he finally came to that point that I've described. He believed the Word of God completely, not only in his life, but he believed the word of God regarding the end of this life. Here's what he says at the end of his life, St. Peter chapter 2. Knowing this first, he said, scoffers will come in the last days, walking after their own desires and saying, well, where is the promise of his coming? All things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly forget that by the word of God... All things have come about. But beloved, he says, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. However, the Lord 
is not slack concerning his promise, as some people count slackness, but is simply long-suffering to us were not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. However, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with the fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Now, at the end of his life, he could not see past his life, but he trusted what God's word had said, what Jesus had taught. So with that, let's move into, for a short What did he say about it? There will come to be an end. Jesus gave a parable one day, and it's a parable we know as the tares and the wheat. And he, he told the parable, uh, and I mentioned this, I think, last week. He mentioned it to a, to a multitude. And he said there was a, there was a, a farmer or a man, he, and he sowed wheat. And, and at night, his enemy, a neighbor, came and sowed weeds at the same time. Well, when the wheat came up, the weeds came up at the same time. So the farmer's helpers said to him, well, master, do you want us to go pull the weeds? And he said, no, if you pull up the weeds, it will also uproot the wheat. He said, let them grow at the same time. Wait till harvest, he said. And then at harvest, we'll gather the wheat and we'll pull the weeds and we'll put all the weeds in one pile and all the wheat in another and we'll burn, we'll burn the weeds, and we'll harvest the wheat. So he told the multitude. Well, later on in the day, his disciples got him off by himself, and they, they asked him, they said, Lord, would you explain that parable to us, what you meant by that? And he said, yes, I will. He said, he that sows the, the seed, the wheat, is the Son of Man, the Son of God. The field, he says, is the world. The good seed are the children of God's kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Now the enemy, the wicked one, has sown them. Jesus says he's the devil. The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers, those who come and reap, are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so shall it be at the end of this world. Now, that's a very specific statement. Here, from a logical standpoint, is a dilemma. If I believe in Jesus Christ, I believe that what he said is true. But if I don't believe in Jesus Christ, I don't believe it's true. So we're faced with this decision always throughout our life. Do we believe it or do we not? I've chosen to believe it, and you'll have to make the choice that you make. The Son of Man... He goes ahead to explain, shall send forth his angels. They will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and do iniquity, quote, the weeds, and cast them into a furnace of fire. There shall be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Interesting phrase there, wailing and gnashing of teeth. What it means is there will be, in, there will be an innumerable amount of tears, wailing, but the gnashing of teeth is a grinding, a grinding of teeth, of pain. The righteous shall shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. Who, whoever wants to listen, let him hear. I find that interesting, too. Did you know that Jesus Christ 
in his ministry, and likewise, we do, he never forced anyone to believe what he was saying. He just would always say, it's your choice. You believe, believe it or not. Jesus later on said at the end of his life, and he says, regarding this, the end of the world, he says, of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So there is an inevitableness to the end, that an end is coming. And sometimes, you know, we live our lives as if our best day will be every day, but that's what you know, experience has taught me to say this, you know, uh, never make a decision on your best day, but never make a decision on your worst day because days usually change. Jesus Christ taught by his words and through his words, there is an end coming. But the second thing that he taught is not only is it coming, but there is a suddenness to it that is beyond our understanding. Here's what he says uh, in the book of Luke. Luke records this and he says, as lightning that flashes out of one part of heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also shall the Son of Man be in his day. That's what I experienced that night was the suddenness, the, the, the quickness. And when that question was posed to me, you know, in my mind, where would you have been? I knew exactly where I would have been uh, at that moment. And yet we fail to understand sometimes that the end is not necessarily going to be a progression of things. It, there is a suddenness to it that is almost beyond our comprehension. Yet we live our lives in the same manner. Here, think about this, just the phrase. Think about something. It is until it's not. It's over. Or the other phrase it's here today, but it's gone tomorrow. We understand that. Uh, we understand what, yes, yes, you can do that. No, you cannot. Suddenly. Now, here's the, I think, a better example. My eyes are open, and I see. Close them, and there is nothing. It's that sudden. There is a suddenness to the end that Jesus taught and wanted his disciples and all of us to understand and accept. And, and if we did, if we could understand and wrap our minds around that, then, then he taught us that we can prepare. All right. But there's another element. There's another attribute to the end that is, that is very interesting. Unexpected. The end is unexpected. Jesus taught that it is completely unexpected, the end, when it comes. Here's what he taught and the examples he used. He used two examples. He used, uh, first, he says, As it was in the days of Noah, so will it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate. They drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came, and that was the end, destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, 
They ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so, he says, it will be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Unexpected. You see, we live in a time when there is so much drama and so much crisis, what I call crisis mongering, so much crisis mongering that it, you know, we're, we're looking for the end, but yet what Jesus says it will be at a time that we least expect it, not most expect it. I find that interesting, instructive. In fact, he goes ahead to teach and says, you know, when, when the end comes, Two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two will be grinding. You do not know what hour your Lord comes. Be ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. What is the purpose? So often in the Christian community we talk about eternal life and we talk about, you know, the blessedness and... That is true, but the return initiates, a and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats, and he will set the sheep on his right hand and the goats on the left, and then he will say to those on his right hand, come you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom, but those on the left, he says, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, we we're not going to take time this morning. I've already covered that, hell and heaven, what he taught about that. That's not in my, that's not in my, my points this morning, but I will say this. I still believe that this, that this purpose is what we would call a reckoning. There is our lives expecting justice. We do. If someone, as I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, if they come in and break in your car, you report it. Why? Because you want to find out who did it and let them pay. I read an interesting article last week out of England, uh, out of their, one of their newspapers. The tree, it was amazing to me, the tree that was in all of England, they're wanting to know. Who in the world did this? Let's find them and let's punish them. We live our lives expecting justice. We expect it today in everything we do. You work all week. You work 40 to 60 hours. At the end of that week or the end of the month, and if you've worked a whole day, you go seven to eight, you get your PhD. When you've done that, you, you know what you expect? You expect to get that shingle to hang it on your wall. That's what you want. You expect it. We live our lives with this reality. It's a brute state of affairs of how we think. Why would we think that it would be any different in the next life than it is in this life? There will be a reckoning, and that's the purpose of the end. When the end comes when it is all over the purpose of it is that reckoning jesus taught at the end of his ministry this it is as you said nevertheless i say to you when you see the son of man sitting at the right hand of of power and coming of the clouds then all things will be taken care of 
So with that said, I'm going to come to a close. And that's why when we read, when we read the text where I started out what Peter said, that wasn't all that he wrote. I'm going to finish this morning with the rest of what he wrote. But let me read the beginning. Knowing this first, he said it. Scoffers going to come to be in the last days, saying, where's the promise? All things continue as they were. And he says, however, understand, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away and the great noise and elements will melt. And then he continues, and here's what he says. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons should we be? in our lives right now. We live according to his promise. And we're looking, yes, for a new heaven and a new earth. But the question I want us to close with is, what kind of person should we be in this life knowing that it's coming to an end? We should be sober. We should be faithful. We should be obedient. And we should worship God according to God's word. So for me, the primary source is just that. I like finally what Jesus said to his disciples when, when the end of his ministry had come. He says, you know, you believe in God, believe in me too. In my Father's house are many areas, many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. However, he says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, there you may be also. And when I come again, he told his disciples, they were broken, they were worried, they, they didn't know what was happening. He says, but when I come again, I will re receive you to myself, that where I am, there you will be also. So the end for God's people is not that bad. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for the time we can be in your house, uh, share with each other as your people. I pray today, Lord, that our hearts would be open, our minds would be open. We would be able to look at where and how we can find answers to those questions we have. I also pray, Lord, for our fears, our doubts that we sometimes experience I pray, Lord, and we'll sing just one verse of a hymn. And you can pray where you are. Certainly that is the case. If you'd like to come and pray at the altar, you can certainly do that. The point is not where. The point is that you pray from your heart. Seek the Lord. Have 544. 544. One verse, unless someone would like to come this morning. Have thine own.